0: For the Coaches Rising podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Carrie Granger and I really enjoy speaking with Carrie. She's very collaborative and engaging. Her last podcast on enrollment was really popular for good reason. And today we're going to talk about she's grown, Carrie's grown a coaching organization very quickly. It's become very successful and has now quite a number of coaches working for it. And Carrie's going to share about the changing skill set that she needs from coaches in this day and age even compared to like three years ago what are the skills now that she's looking for when she hires coaches and why is she struggling to find coaches with this skill set the frustrations that she has with some coaches around what coaching is and how that you know, isn't quite matching with what her clients are asking for in coaches in this day and age. So we'll have a whole conversation around that, including earlier on in the conversation, you know, how Carrie's, why is that happening? You know, why are clients making different requests from her? What's the world that we're in right now that leaders and organizations uh, that she works with are finding themselves in? So we'll articulate the bigger picture and then we'll kind of drill down more into um, the experiences she's having hiring coaches and the kind of skills she wishes they would have. So uh, as I said, Carrie has grown the Granger Network. That's her organization um, very quickly, and it's now really successful working with businesses, putting coaches coaches within businesses. And she, you can check out her website, grangernetwork.com. She has some resources on there. And she's writing a lot now about stakeholder leadership. I've appreciated reading some of her articles. So we'll talk about w- what stakeholder leadership is, um, why coaches need to think systemically, and so on in this conversation. I, I just really enjoyed our little check-in because, it, it, you know... <laughs> It's so
1: real, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, what you said about, like, when things, the choiceless choice and and this sense of how things have a life of their own, and we were talking about our businesses, respectively, and um, just that sense of how it's humbling for me um, to be a coach and then, you know, coaching leaders and then in my own business, how confronted I can be around my own leadership and what's happening in the organization. And the, you know, even though it's a tiny organization, the complexity and the the sense of like things not being out of control, but like um, they have a life of their own, you know, suddenly okay. it takes on a life of its own and there's new people coming in and there's, they have a life of their own. And it, and it confronts me in how I used to hold the business and what it was. So, yeah.
1: yeah. You know uh, what's been what's what's been striking me most hmm, is uh, it's all really a co-creation, whether we want to embrace that or not. Like co-creation, I've noticed you could you could engage in it like an activity or a strategy or a facilitation in an intentional way, but you can't not be co-creating. So as we bring in different people in our organization, that shifts the co-creation because they co-create. They cre- create with their moods, with their questions, with their resistance, with their ambitions, and it shifts the whole thing. Like we can never not be in a co-creation, right? Right. And so I mean, the dynamic just shifts. I'm in a co-creation with my daughter every single morning and you know as much as I think I can control what's going to happen, I can't. Right? And as much as she thinks she can control what's going to happen, she can't. And mm. and you know I think I bring one of the what I bring to any given conversation and I can't help it, Joel is a leadership lens. That's just who I am at the core. Right. And, and we do in our firm leadership development and it comes out in our coaching and our training, like all of that. Right. And, um, and what I've noticed is that in so many ways, those of us who are in this field think we can take the leader out of the context in which they're enmeshed and develop them or coach them. And um, it's, it's kind of like this false paradigm, right, that, that we could ever develop apart from that context. And so the more that I just embrace, it's all a co-creation anyway, <laughs> We're never not co-inventing, right? The more I can relax a little bit and and I think it takes something different from us you know it 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 really does there's no they're just yeah the more I try to control and say here's where we're going, the less it works
0: yeah, yeah, I certainly have been in touch this year with how fundamentally confronting that is mm-hmm. um you know that sense of um, of course, because intellectually, I can say oh, I, I'm not in control in the way I thought I was. And, you know, it's about co-creation and, you know, participating. And and, and yet yeah, on a fundamental level, I've been confronted by my own dynamics and and, and need to control my experience yeah. and those around me, you know, and, and uh, being burnt through that in a sense, you know, and it's been very unpleasant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that kind of, I mean, in a way that is the context in which we're all enmeshed that we thought for a long time and we lived in a paradigm, even if we understood intellectually, it wasn't that way, but we lived in a paradigm of cause and effect of predictability, you know, where you could kind of, we lived in a life where we could actually somewhat predict, you know, even if it was within a certain or, or we lived as if we could, you know, it was kind of an illusion of that. Yeah. And, and, and we learned how to do things in a way that, you know, we control the outcome, we plan years out. Like strategic planning has totally changed. Right. And, um, yeah, there's a certain, there's a certain rhythm, um, to, the way in which the context in which we lived our lives. And then it's always been accelerating. It's never been predictable. But but there's a certain awareness and waking up to the uncertainty um, over the last year and a half, I think. Like really no it actually is uncertain is things have been accelerating, you know, social, um, Uh, shifts, economic shifts, like the whole world, things have been accelerating and converging in a way that I feel like we're just kind of waking up to our paradigm of how things work, you know, Mm. of how things work has just been wrong. Yeah. And, and it worked enough. It was, it's kind of like we've been living in Newton's gravity for a long time, (laughs) And then we're waking yeah. up to relativity is always there and quantum has always been there, right? It was really uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, um, yeah, I, I feel like I haven't myself personally fully, um, and maybe this is the point <laughs> I was about to say, I haven't fully grasped the implications of um, that shift. Yeah. Um, um, or, or at least I could say I'm, I'm humbled in my um, former espousal around the need, the necessity for us to find a new way of navigating through the world, which wasn't based upon that kind of like cause and effect Newtonian kind of worldview. And so uh, I, I certainly believe in that transition and I'm like, I'm I'm like a kindergarten uh, infant, you know, and like actually taking the first steps out you know to uh to 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 reimagine and rediscover what that might be to to live in that world you know
1: yeah yeah it's um God, we've, we 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 talk about it right um moving from reliability and consistency to i don't know acceptance and learning and vulnerability and um and uh and you know, I, I think we're, we, I think as leaders, we it's kind of like a rearrangement of ourselves in a way.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You're going to say something.
1: Yeah. I. You know. I. I. I was going to say that's what as we're working um, as we're working to remain relevant and to keep up with what our clients need. Uh, I'm, I'm watching that, you know, my leadership is changing and the way that we operate is having to change. And one of the things that I find is I can't just, it, I can't just give up um, control in a way. I can't just give up that I have to steward my organization. Yeah. But um There's some, there's some way of leading that enables this co-creation that enables living in quite a bit of uncertainty. And I think about, you know, like the complexity models, which is very useful for me, right? You know, there's different kinds of experimentations and things from a, from a practical standpoint we can do, but there's also like the holding space for something. Yeah. And then also knowing You know, for me as a leader in this organization, not in this organization, the leader of this organization, me as a CEO, knowing that, you know, there also is a responsibility for me to see and hold the future that we're moving towards, right? So there is this, it's not just let me go with the wind, but there is a strength of holding that enables a certain future to come into existence, Yeah. Yeah. That enables the convergence out there in the future. Yeah. So it's a different way of holding, I think, in which both the strength and flexibility is needed.
0: Right. Yeah. Because just to um, set a bit of context for your the listeners, you know, you Mm -hmm. you um, we connected about this just before we kind of came live, which was you we met I don't know four years ago or something like that. And then you'd start out your business. and we did a podcast on this. Your business grew really fast and mm-hmm. you've got a business uh, putting coaches to executives and leaders and businesses and you're a coach yourself. and um, so yeah, and it's grown really fast. and I'm really fascinated to talk with you today about some of the things you've already mentioned like just now even like you said like I'm attuning to what my clients need. and this idea of the coach, uh, believing that I can be with my client and individually, you know, uh, I, in an isolated way, make them, help them change. Um, but does that really work, you know? And then this idea of um, stakeholder leadership. So I just think there's a, quite a few threads that we could mm-hmm. weave together today in our conversation. And so um, perhaps you could, maybe we, maybe we could start by just naming like what what is the world you're you're seeing we're in right now and that we're moving into like especially I mean in terms of the clients you're working with and like what they need and mm-hmm. how you're attuning your services to that like the bigger picture so to speak
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and I like I like what you've said in terms of um, I like the different pieces you grab from us connecting it fundamentally, to be is to be in the world, to be in relationship, um, is to already be enmeshed in the situations within situations within situations, you know, historically, you know, temporally, spatially, um, linguistically to be is to be in the world, to be enmeshed in it all. And so when we're supporting another human, another person, uh, to take them out of the context in which they're meshed um, is, can only support in a, in a kind of in a narrow way. Yeah, so sure we can do some internal work, but you're kind of missing—you're missing the whole context. It's like when, uh, you know, like a green screen in film. Yeah, so if you actually watch the film, the filming process happen with an actor uh, in front of a green screen, you actually don't know what's going on you know, if you just saw like a picture, right? You don't know what's going on until that background shows up and it gives all the meaning, right? So as as we support our clients, I find it really important to have a sense of the context, the meaning in which that conversation is taking place, yeah? And so when I look from a really big view, you know i see a planet on the brink yeah and that's really important we have a planet on a brink on the brink um with all the climate change and and like serious stuff yeah i see um you know social unrest throughout the world i see uh divisions, you know, with with the rise of social media in at least in the US and a number of other countries, actually, you know, how technology, uh, social platforms and politics have converged in a way that is very difficult to have real conversations. Yeah. And so, you know, how we've developed and what we have at our disposal, I don't, know how, I don't know how to have a conversation with someone who lives in such a different linguistic world than I do, speaking the same language. Like I speak English and you speak English, but your world is so different than mine because of the conversations that you are enmeshed in. You know, and with and then with COVID, we stopped bumping into each other in the hallways, so our bubbles became even stronger, right? And that's that's happening in the world, you know. So much so that I send a newsletter out, and you know, a CEO of one of our clients, you know, says to me, uh, you know, is is actually really offended because I granted structural racism existence, and in his world, it it's it's doesn't exist, right? Or it's, it's not proven or something like that, right? But he's so strong about it. And there's, I don't know how to talk to him about it. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know how to bridge that. Um, and I'm really good at talking about stuff, right? So, and then you have an increasing vocal stakeholders that have been silent. So the environment is speaking. In different ways yeah and you have underrepresented community underrepresented peoples speaking and you have um people who you know laborers speaking and you have different you have different aspects of community speaking and you have um you know consumers are speaking differently from the supply chains now you know, you your supply you used to get to decide who you are going to buy this or that from, or you know, use as a supplier. No, now your consumers have a voice in that because they won't come to you if you have unsustainable practices. Um, you know, the uh, uh, inequities are really coming to the fore. They've always been there; they're just becoming um, louder, and and we can start to see the impact that that has for everyone um you know and and trust interestingly trust in government is down but trust in business is up and business leaders are now having to take moral and political stances and that they never had to before yeah you know so So it's interesting because as I look around, I say, who's going to save us? You know, of course, no one's coming. Yeah. But I look around, I go, you know, nonprofits, I, I so am so grateful for people who dedicate their lives in the nonprofit world, but that's not likely to make the shift. Uh, Governments, unlikely to actually be able to make the shift. But economic power in businesses, I believe, may be our unlikely hero. I mean, you've got like Larry Fink from BlackRock saying, you know, the firms that we invest in better have better be sustainable. You know, we're we're not going to invest in you. And then you have, you know, if you look at the uh, if you look at investment performance, those that, you know, have higher uh, ESG and D, so um, environmental, social governance and data stewardship when you look at those with high ESG and D metrics over the long term, they actually do better, Joel. You know mm-hmm. so you know I think as I'm looking, at, so that's that's just kind of in the in one world. In the other place, it's an acceleration. You know, and, and as I spoke about technology and politics converging, yeah, and there's an acceleration and, and convergence of technology, social, economic, political, environmental, what I would call is emergences, trends, what the, how they're moving and evolving. They're now converging at an accelerated pace, which leaves things very unpredictable, it leaves things um, uncertain. It, it they always have been, but it's just becoming the pace at which they're coming together leaves us navigating an environment that is changing so rapidly that you know we have to shift the way we be and exist today. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and who we are as leaders, right? So in the past, um, leaders grew, leaders were grown from a very military, I come from the military, so, you know, the military was like the forefront of leadership, and it was very command and control. And leaders brought clarity, and they brought order, and we, and hierarchy, you know, and they brought consistency and reliability. And, you know, and from that kind of world, we create, you know, we have certain knowledge and we create processes and, you know, there's a discipline around that, but we have a new world, you know, and, and vulnerability, you know, enabling, you know, you, you came on in a very vulnerable way and I, and, And I think that's really important, you know, we, you know, empathy and, and patience and acceptance and, you know, learning, I have to tell you that learning is the number one quality now that I hire for, Mm -hmm. you know, I can no longer have people on my team, no matter what their, I would, no matter their experience. They are so hard to work with if they have a high experience and high rigidity and un, un, uninterested in learning and completely transforming themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a big picture. Yeah.
0: Because yeah, um, just to, could, could you share a little bit more about the, you said we have to change the way we lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you say a little bit more about that? I think I hear that story in the way you talk about the different stakeholders and the way you talk about uh, learning, of course, and um, vulnerability and how we are in uncertainty. but could you say a little bit more about that? and then we can talk about the implications for for coaches as well?
1: Yeah Well, I think you know a couple things in the way we lead is um, one, you know and and this is not entirely a new story, but but like no kidding we cannot lead like we have the answer. Yeah. And, and it takes, and we can't lead in a vacuum. You know, if we, if we can't take into account the various stakeholders within our system and create shared value amongst us, we're not very resilient as an organization, or, uh, it, it, you know, we'll be surprised. Um, we, So I think it's very important that we create partnerships, that we create a different kind of relationship with the, the different stakeholders within our system, meaning within an internal and external to our organizations. Um, and and I su- I suspect that has to do with our personal lives as well, but I haven't looked too strongly there. And that that truly we are we are embracing the co creation that we um, that we put in front of us um, we put in front of us deep connections. Across the board, we put in front of us and are aware of the changing landscape at any moment. Um, You know, if I were to look at it, there's internal things that we have to handle as leaders that is, embracing uncertainty, um, knowing how to navigate that. Um, There's, you know, digging in deep what are our own stances, moral leadership stances, and that stuff we're fairly familiar with as coaches. But then there's, you know, what is our commitment towards the future? Um, Do we care about future generations? Do we care about sustainability? How How do we bring those conversations to the fore when we're trying to figure out you know, what we're going to do over the next year and will it be profitable and what our strategies are, Um, you know, we have to be able to really understand how to navigate and work in complexity. Um, We, it's innovation isn't something that we do or people that we hire. Um, Given how rapidly things change, we actually have to develop a mindset that enables, innovation in any conversation, um, you know, and then we have to be aware. Uh, one of the things that I see in our profession as coaches is sometimes we really just are looking at human development, period. And, you know, we we don't read <laughs> outside of that. I, I can't tell you the number of people in my field that I have had to teach how to read the news, um, how to, you know, I get in my inbox, I'll get the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and 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 I just have to kind of glance and look through it to be aware of what's happening. And, and many of us don't know how to read without getting sucked into it and have an emotional, Toil put on us, right? So, um, but this is the world in which our, you know, we and our clients are navigating in. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I don't. I, I, mean, I kind of yeah. went all over the place a little bit there, but I'm. Yeah, but I think
0: yeah. I think that reflects the nature of the world we're in. You know, mm-hmm. like a bit all over the places. There are so many, so many influences. Aren't there in in the room at any one point, and so that that makes sense to me. And yeah. um, um, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I hear this this vision of like um, uh, this way that we can begin to collaborate together. Um, to you know, it's it's a conversation we're in in coaches rising, you know, which is like, what are like non rivalrous, collaborative relationships we can create where. In in service of a of a larger entity, you know whether that entity is the world, the environment, um, coaches, our our community, the the children of uh, our our coaching, um, our community's clients, Mm. you know. So it can you can really extend that out and feel how those that inquiry then can begin to influence. our, our experience in the moment you know and and what matters to us and then the decisions we make so um yeah and i, I see that becoming a more common kind of conversation you know which i you know i think in part is made it made possible because we we're financially okay you know so we're not in a fear place of fear so we can have a bit of space to think but i'm I'm curious for you, um, you know, like how how do you find because you're you're putting coaches in with clients and how how are you finding that coaches are prepared for this world right now? You know, do you feel that coaches are equipped to support clients in the ways you're talking about? Or are we needing to reinvent coaching or or innovate coaching?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Um Joel. It is so hard to hire coaches for me right now. It is so hard. Um, it wasn't hard three years ago. I just needed people who could coach well and make a difference with my client. <laughs> and um, and what I'm finding is, um, I talked a little bit about this at, at earlier uh, at the top of our, our time together, Um that we've narrowed ourselves too much as a profession. And, and I think it was really important actually. So I'm not like down on us. It's just time for an evolution. You know, I think it was so incredibly important for us. I don't know when it started, maybe 25 years ago or so when the certifying body started to show up. That we, that we were able to distinguish ourselves from other um, helping professions, that we said, this is what a coach is and this is what a coach isn't and this isn't therapy and da, da 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 like all that, right? And I think it's really important. And actually, when I get people who call themselves coaches that haven't had a certification, I send them through that so they can actually get the discipline of coaching. Um, by and large, I find our profession um does isolate a bit the person in the in the inner world from everything else and that is so important you know to have mastery of one's inner world and and to be able to have an outlook and a grounding to be in the world so it is really important and the innovations that have come from us narrowing our field have been you know the depth has been really important and what I find that's, what what's very difficult for me to find is the coach who can do that, not just like goal performance, smart goal thing. I can't, you know, that's, that's not deep enough. Yeah. That's just around performance and actions, but the person, you know, the coach who can go deep when that's what's required, but can also have in mind the business outcomes. Yeah. Because often we get hired as, you know from the third party from the organization so they have to have in mind the business outcomes because that's a really key stakeholder the organizational business outcomes right and have and have an awareness of man am i coaching this person you know are they a regional vice president You know, or are they a CEO or are they a frontline person? And and what is that like for them? Because coaching somebody at the top of an organization is very different than in the middle and is very different than at the bottom. (laughs) You know, it's a different they have different stakeholders that they serve, you know, and, and, and so, and then can they, do they have the business language and understand business models? Because someone... Hmm. You know, a, a leader that's, that is working inside of a business model of margins, you know, of really of, of, of squeezing and expanding margins is very different than one that's about um, volume, right? And so just even understanding the business, you don't have to be an expert, you don't have to have an MBA, but be able to speak the language, right? Mm -hmm. And, and be able to hear it and understand what the client's world is, um, uh, you know, to be able to, um, even move into, uh, with leaders, it's all about interactions, right? So if, if as a coach, I can't coach an interaction you know, all I can do is I can ensure that that leader is in an emotionally good space, has a great outlook, ambition for them, their themselves. Maybe figured some stuff out for themselves. But I actually need somebody who can then shift into maybe even role playing, you know, and helping that that client see. Okay, you know, this interaction. You know, when you're interacting with Jeff over here, what? is Jeff enmeshed in What is his world? Who are the stakeholders he's serving? You know, so there's like a system site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so there's just it's it's the range. Um right. you know, I have coaches who it's very difficult to 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 find a coach who understands how capital works. Mm. You know, and and then we have these these notions, like like fairy tale notions of how an organization should work. But you have no reality in how capital works and how important investors are, you know, to an organization. Yeah, because
0: there's, there's there's a lot you just said there, and I imagine you know there's all these coaches listening, yeah. and yeah. you know there's there's going to be people saying what, what, you know, yeah. Um, so let's let's tease apart some of the things you're saying. Like first of all, I love role playing with my clients. I think that's yeah. just so powerful. Um, both actually having them play the role of the person they're coaching, or even the different um, people that their their client is talking about. You mm-hmm. know, um, um, or you know, we uh, just just um, so so that or also having the coach. Play themselves and then it's an interaction they're wanting to have with somebody out in the world anyway role playing is just i find Great. really powerful because yes. you can you're getting in the moment feedback you can do timeouts um yes people's somatic uh responses get flare up it's uh um, yeah it's really powerful so um but like one thing i want to pull up is like what you know to the person listening who or the coach who would say like uh you know actually Business outcomes, um, knowing about capital, knowing about the business model of the company—all those things. Actually, I don't need to know that. You know, um, that might even get in the way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, like I've I've become successful because I'm not enmeshed in all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and and I can really understand that. I stood there also, you know, yeah. and and there, but there is a cap. You know, there's a cap to who I can support and there's a cap to the amount that I can support. Um, And I'm one of the things I'm fairly good at is finding relevance Mm -hmm. and see where I'm looking as a business owner is I'm looking at not just as a business owner, excuse me, as a CEO accountable for the future of our organization and the number of employees who, who find their home here. So I have to ensure that we're going to be sustainable five, 10 years down the road, right? So I'm looking at what's going to be relevant here and, um, and who's going to hire us. And I think you could probably do fine finding a number of people who need what you need without knowing all of that, you know, you'll be fine, but see, I can't hire you. (laughs) <laughs> right. because my clients who's who's buying right is is the C, who's buying is the ceos the ceo sometimes uh the boards you know sometimes a private equity firm needs you know it wants support of their executive team that's who's that's who is buying now I have people on my team who can do just fine coaching people in the middle of the organization. And that's fine, right? You're helping that person. That's great. But when I look at what's the bigger impact that we can make here and what's going to have us be relevant, I literally had a CEO say, hey, I don't think your coaches have a bit of an impact on our business outcomes. Why should I keep hiring you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I knew right. that they did, and I had the ROI on that, and because I've been looking there. Yeah.
0: Right.
1: But he was, he was true also. I, you know, and that's something in my team. I was like, look, you guys, when somebody else hires us and they're not hiring us, and it's not somebody say, look, I just want to be more powerful in my life. You know, you know, I'm hiring you because I think coaching as an intervention is gonna lead to more profitability and better business outcomes for my business. And if you're not linked to that, you're not going to be relevant or you will always be stuck in in learning and development in a small role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and, and just the, the impact that you can make, you know, I ask different questions the more I learn. Like I was coaching a, a, a COO the other day and boy, he had the hardest time talking to his board. You know, he just, he'd go in there, he'd be defensive, he'd be nervous, he'd be, you know, just kind of get jumbled up, he'd talk too much, and then he'd be like, man, I did all this work, and then they just cut me off after five minutes. Okay, as a coach, if you don't know anything about the way boards work, right, if you don't know how, how, how the cares, the fundamental cares and interests of his key stakeholder a private equity board, if you don't understand that, you can only ask questions to help him in his inner world. And you might even go back to what has you be defensive and da, 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 da. and that's a contribution. But when I ask him a question, well, what do you think the private, what do you think the board is wanting? What do you think the firm that owns you is fundamentally cares about here? And where the conversation went is he got that he was talking about what he cared about and the operations and the, you know, and that's not at all what they cared about. And what they really care about is, is their investment going to pay off in three to five years? So he shifted his whole conversation around that. There was a little education there. And he starts being a lot more, you know, participative. Now, could you get there anyway? Maybe. But just knowing a little bit about how these work has me ask different questions.
0: Oh, yeah. And I can see that it's, you know, you you mentioned systemic, working systemically, you know, it's like there's a systemic intelligence, which is allowing for uh, different kinds of perspective taking and then uh, different ways of seeing, you know, new distinctions are arising that if you don't know about those things, you know, you don't ask. It's like, it's a bit, uh, I think it was Paul Lawrence who said, um, like, d- dialect, I'm going to, I'm not very good at remembering things, but dialectical coaching where the coach recognizes that the way they see and listen is is a is a part of this co-collaborative coaching relationship, whereas an earlier stage of coaching doesn't quite grok that, you know? So um, that it's really, yeah, in this sense, I hear that in your story. It's like you're, way of seeing and, and listening to your client was able to open up something that created an insight, you know, and then well, and create a shift in the inter- interaction. Again, I hear that story. It's in the interaction. Yeah.
1: You know, if changed. our role, I see my role as a coach to expand the range of possibilities with my clients, Right. It, that's that's I could probably be a lot more articulate and think of other things as well. But that's a key, let me say that's a key piece of being a coach, yeah, is expand the range of possibilities because many of us have a, you know, the range of possible actions that we can take, and therefore, possible um, futures that we can achieve is limited. By so many things, by the way we were shaped, by the way we observe, by our assessments, our moods, our our you know all sorts of things, yeah? So if one of my jobs is my main role as a coach is to expand that range of what's possible and expand the possible actions, the range of my clients if if they can see more than I can see, it's really hard for me to do that, right. Mm. And so, like, I have one one coach that I adore, and her range is so small. Now, if the coach needs work in the inner world of emotions and orientation, if that's what they're coming to the call with, and that's what they need, she's brilliant. But if they need something outside of that, they're going to have to call somebody else.
0: Now, let me pick up on that, because that's something... I talked to with someone else who um, is running large scale multi-year change processes where, you know, with, with, um, with combining coaching and um, agile Mm. and um, he was saying that, yeah, he he was like, I wonder he, but what what he figured out from doing this was like, actually you need like a, a team of people and that, that the, you can call in the experts mm. for specific things. So mm-hmm. like, for example, in this case, if if somebody needs some high level emotional work, then you call in that coach and you plug mm-hmm. them into that place. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he was saying that he imagines there's in the future of coaching, you know, there's like, there's different movements at play, the commoditization of coaching, the democratization of coaching, uh, which will all have um, in, impacts. But um, the other thing he saw was like, like, um, groups of people, groups of coaches arising who all had high levels of expertise in complementary skills, who would then move into an organization and be able to deploy those skills as as needed. And I might be, um, you know, leaving out quite a lot of nuance in the way he would talk about it. But um, I just put that to you like, yeah, may, p- perhaps that is the place for this coach. You know, it's like, when there's some high, high level emotional work, then you plug her in. I guess it's this, maybe we're talking about experts and generalists or.
1: I can really see that model with consultants, you know, Mm. um, because they, the, the, the client or the one that you're speaking with would, would really appreciate that and would expect a team and group approach. But I'll tell you, even in our own team, one of the things that we struggle with is, um, we say in our coaching overviews and agreements, we take a team approach, which means that we're going to be sharing amongst ourselves. That has sparked an enormous conversation about, you know, the ethics of that, right? Now, mm. in, the, in the ICF guidelines, which I know there's other certifying bodies, that's one, you know, most of us are certified with, um, uh, you know, it has to just be clear and transparent, right? Clear and transparent agreements around confidentiality, which is what we do. And those who have been coaching for a long time, those who are mentor coaches, supervisor coaches, MCC coaches, et cetera, have a paradigm of coaching that's like, it's so confidential that sharing it with other team members makes them so extraordinarily uncomfortable, right? That it does make it very difficult to even have a team approach. Hmm. You know, so that's part of what I was, you know, it, it, it may be time for us. There's There's definitely a place of... In a great place of strict confidentiality. And and maybe there's a polarity that we're moving towards to be able to manage, to be able to invent. You know, I find when we're fairly rigid about anything, it's very difficult to invent, right? And innovate and evolve. But I, I, I find, I I like this approach, you know, the thinking of bringing different experts. And I think that person may be, you know, you'll have to find the right kind of people and we may have to find the right kind of people. You know, I don't mean just him doing that, Um, that, that can hold both the ethics and the confidentiality of the conversations, bring in other experts, you know, coaching is such a vulnerable conversation. So it's like, Mm. oh, sure, I've created this great relationship with you, but you want me to talk to this person about my deep emotional, you know? Uh, And so there's, I think there's a lot that that would have to shift around our whole notion of coaching to be able to not us coach a team, but to be us be a team for any individual coach.
0: Yeah, no, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, um, I think this is part of this conversation, though, about the the continual disruption and innovation of coaching, what coaching is, and how, you know, there are, like you said, there are good things about what the ICF and others have done codifying what coaching is that needed to happen, but it does come with pitfalls, you know? Um,
1: And I find as we move into mastery, like a real mastery, you know, we kind of have to throw some things out. you know you don't go to like yo yo ma and listen to like an algorithmic you know only fits within this rigid structure right and you don't go see a master martial artist only do these moves right it's it's like if we don't evolve we will be stuck at an advanced beginner
0: yeah well i i and i think that's the for me the definition of mastery is like when we're when we're actually able to step beyond that um the 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 earlier mastery of a of a a particular mode of coaching you know like transformational coaching yeah very powerful deep coaching but it's still it's still based upon a set of uh, methodologies and principles of of change and then then we're able to step beyond that into this open space of 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 pure mastery
1: yeah you know, as you're speaking, I am, you know, one of the things that I'm, that ha, that this has me think about is I wonder if there will be generalist coaches and there will be, you know, specialist, right? So there's, and I don't even think, now that I've said that, I don't even think I like the way that that's said, but uh, sometimes I wonder in my own team, you know, am I asking too much of people? Um, and I do find myself very rarely calling on somebody on my team that has a real specialty um, because it's a part of a conversation. Once that conversation is done, it's done, right? And so um, what I do find myself doing is looking at an engagement and saying, ah, you know, Sarah could plug in down over here and, you know, um, Carlos can go over here. Oh thank God I have this person available who can kind of see the whole context and be more versatile with the bigger range and um so yeah i'd I'd love to you know one of one of the things that that i I am uh, that I struggle with as someone who leads a team of coaches is sometimes it's like um it's like leading a soccer team where you got the left fullback and they got to play left fullback, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're not the goalie, <laughs> <laughs> they're not the striker, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah. I wonder then just, you know, if you were to like, you know, the question I would have to you is like, if you could wave your magic wand and then have all these coaches start showing up who had the skills and in a way you've named them already, but I, I wonder if we can, if there might be some more that emerge, like mm. what kind of coaches would show up? What kind of, what kind yeah. of skills would coaches be developing?
1: Hmm. It's a really good, it's a good question, Joel. I think again, the number one c- skill for me, I don't know. It is probably a skill, a skill and an orientation is a real hunger to learn and expand one's skill and orientation, right? So, you know that's a number one because I can work with anyone who's hungry. Um, I, interestingly enough, the the more experts I have, a harder time with. So that's number one. Um, now experts who are like that, Oh, the best, you know, seasoned experts who want to just learn and expand their orientation and so skill. disrupt
0: themselves, like disrupt
1: themselves, right. you know, willing to rethink, to relearn. I'm, ju- I'm, I'm reading Adam, Adam Grant's book Re- rethinking, I think is the name of it. Very good book. Um, but the capacity to disrupt oneself, uh, really important. Um, uh, in the world, in the world, aware of the world, able to take in the world without getting thrown off, you know, being able to read the news and not get into despair, but to see and kind of, um, to see and, and get a sense of the different trends that are happening, what's emerging and what's converging. You know, if, you, if you're if you in the business world and coaching in the business world and you're not aware that merger, you know, M&A activity is on a rise, you're missing an opportunity for massive business development for yourself and for relevance for yourself. Yeah. Mm. So I need coaches who are in the world, who are able to take in the world. You know, you don't have to know everything, but, you know, you can read a business a business article and not get like, you know, fuzzy eyed around it. Right. Um, uh, coaches who can see systems, understand systems who have a bit of an, a who have something to, you know, who who have a real range from in-depth inner work to navigating different competing stakeholder conflicts, you know, and you could, if the coach came to you and said, man, I'm in despair and I'm, I have high anxiety about my world right now. And you could see, okay, is this therapy or coaching? Okay, great. It's coaching. You can have that conversation. And then in the very next call, You know, that client's going to say, man, you know, I'm dealing with our suppliers and it's da, 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 and I'm dealing with my, you know, and, 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 and and you gotta, and I mean, have this board meeting coming up and there's all this conflict, like, and then deal with that conversation, Mm -hmm. right? So there's like that range available is keeping up with models, you know, so some of the work, I can't remember who you often, maybe it's, um, uh, Jennifer uh, Berger, Har- Harvey Berger,
0: Jenny Jennifer Garvey Berger, yeah,
1: Garvey Berger, yeah. Uh, yeah, who brings in the complexity model quite a bit, yeah, um, or the you know Snowden Knevin, you know, complexity and 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 can just can just has s- different models that enable our clients today to navigate the uncertainty of our world, you know, so has some useful frameworks about that, um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, you know, for me, you know, I need somebody who can, who can live in the business world, who can see what's happening and who can have that depth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's the killer combo. Huh? I, I really -hmm. get the sense of that. Now they've got the depth and the range. Yeah. And, um, who, uh, where would you point people? You know, you said like continually learning. Yeah. Um, you know, we've mentioned people like, well, I mentioned Paul Lawrence, he has a book and I've forgotten the name of it. He's coming out on the podcast as well, uh, about, um, thinking systemically. Um, sorry, Paul. Uh, but, um, who other, who else would you recommend? Uh, yeah. And I know you've anyone? had Peter,
1: I know yeah. you've had Peter Hawkins on that's, it's, you know, good yeah. thought leader there as well. Um, you know, I'd recommend <laughs> reading the financial times. You know, and, and and don't worry about understanding it all. Just read the headlines and kind of get a sense of things. You know, I recommend that. Um, mm. I recommend learning, uh, reading some different kinds of books. You know, read, yeah. Outside yeah. of human development is what I know
0: uh, this I'm on all yes. over this right now. I've been for, like... Um... I mean, that's why I try to bring voices in on the podcast yeah. that are not pure coaching. And I, could, I think I could go wider out. But yeah, I, I just really want to encourage coaches to read books on anthropology, Wade Davis, people like, I don't know, just uh, on systemic thinking, um, you know, emerging types of scientific. Uh, Rebecca Henderson's
1: work. Reimagining Capitalism. Read that book. That's mm. really good uh yeah I, I Joel, I so appreciate what i've seen in coaches rising over the last probably six months, maybe it's a year um how much you're beginning to bring in and push us because I'm a big fan as you know i mm. you know all of us do your coaching all the time right or your trainings all the time, but push us to think differently to um to expand our notion of who we are and what we do. Um, and, you know, read the read, gosh, I, some of the best books I've read recently, uh, destiny disrupted. It, it's a, it's, it's a, the different view of history, you know, sapiens. Um, that's a really interesting read, I think. Um, uh, Reimagining capitalism, as as I've said, Um, the uh, empire, the cotton empire. (laughs) You you can just kind of get like the like Mm. a different view of maybe how we came to be. Radical hope. Um, I don't know. There's there's so, but but Mm -hmm. read outside of human development. Out, read books other than coaching books. Mm. Read what people are saying about world events. Right now.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll add a couple scenes on this tip. Um, yeah. Um, Apocalypse Never by, I want to say, Michael Singer. It's not Apocalypse Never. Interesting. So he's like pulling apart the modern um, ecological movement um, and saying it's counterproductive in a sense because there's a lot of idealism mm. and, um, you know, people. Uh, reaffirming their own sense of importance and movement. You know, they're a movement that's funded and they need to keep telling the story. But actually, Mm. so he's telling a different story about this sense of an apocalypse, an environmental apocalypse coming. He pulls that apart very skillfully. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you know, I'm sure we could critique his book too. And then um, Fall of Civilizations, everyone. This is about how all these civilizations collapsed throughout history. And when you, I mean, really beautifully done, it's a podcast, but when you listen to each one of those and you hear the same stories starting to, you know, like these civilizations that none of them recognize they were in collapse, you know, so, So but that's, 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 I'm learning so much about human nature from that. You know, Mm -hmm. and and the history it's it's expanding my sense of self. So Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, I I think that that's been the number one criticism I have of people that come to me. That sometimes it's easier to take a consultant and turn them into a coach because Mm -hmm. they're more widely read, right? And um, but but is just the narrowness. So all of these books that you're saying, just really, you know, getting. I don't know, expanding our observational skills, our sensibilities, you know, I think, I think makes us, um, deeper. Yeah. And, and a deeper and wider pool. Um, yeah, Now this is, this yeah. conversation didn't go in the way I thought it might, as I was, uh, thinking about it yesterday, but I'm, I feel like it's a good, you know, I, I like yeah. where we got to explore together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, you know, we can we can um, do part three at some point. <laughs> you know, this year as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe this is a good place to bring it to a close. Um, yeah, where can we find out more about what you're doing, Carrie? As well.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we're I'm at a point right now where we're redesigning our website. Do you ever do you ever get to that spot where you're redesigning? you you're saying, man, this is the best website for who we were like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> You're not quite there yet, but it'll get there. So, you know, our website is grangernetwork.com, and um, you know, right now we're doing quite a bit on LinkedIn. And but grangernetwork.com is kind of our hub, right? So we do a newsletter, we do a stakeholder leadership newsletter, and we do a transformative tips newsletter. So um, the stakeholder leadership one, and and I'm on Medium as well, has big topics. And brings a stakeholder leadership, a leadership lens to those big topics like McKinsey and the op- opioid crisis, you know, and and Airbnb and how, you know, how are they actually stakeholders when they had leaders and how have they upheld the stakeholder capitalism um, philosophy when they had to lay off so many people last year, right? So we're really taking on the this lens and it's an easy way to kind of see how we might see what's going on and apply this lens to that. So you can come to our website and sign up for that. And our transformative tips is just, you know, is, is just being effective in, in, as leaders in organizations. Yeah.
0: I really appreciated those articles, reading those articles, by the way. So thank you. Yeah. I recommend people check them out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you. So I want to just take a minute to tell you about inside coaching which we are relaunching and it's well imagine pulling up a chair inside the coaching room of a world class coach and then being able to watch them work with a real client that's what this program's all about it's always been one of the most popular parts of our live trainings these coaching demos and so we decided to create a full training on it so inside coaching is a it's a 12 week self study program and You'll get to see all these different master coaches, coaching people. How do they do it? What kind of questions do they ask? What kind of moves are they making? It's like you're apprenticing with these master coaches. And the cool thing is is afterwards, after each coaching session, I do a debrief with them where I break down everything they did. What were they seeing? Uh, Why were they asking certain questions? So that you can really get inside their mind and absorb all that wisdom and experience that they've spent years cultivating. Nothing's scripted. All the clients come with real issues. So just a few more things. What do you get by joining? You get 12 unedited coaching sessions, 12 debrief sessions, workbooks, transcripts, bonus videos, a member forum and a discussion thread. Some of the coaches featured are Amanda Blake, Richard Strozzi-Heckler, Thomas Hubel, Jennifer Garvey-Berger, David Drake, Rick Hansen, Wendy Palmer, Jim Dethmer and others. So registration is open from the 8th of June 2021 and it closes on the 17th of June and if you want to find out more you can head to coachesrising.com forward slash inside coaching trailer. You'll find a really cool trailer we made about the program there and you can just put your name, in the sign-up box to stay in the loop just a a heads up again if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create then head to coachesrising.com put your name in the sign-up box there you'll also find some of our other offerings our online trainings for coaches there and just want to end by wishing you well and i'll see you again next time